0: And I welcome, welcome, love, welcome to yet another edition of Bagoons you, girl, Barrage, the podcast with me, our host is always, Jake Donnelly, a.k.a. Bagoon. Now, normally when you come to this podcast, you can expect to hear what roughly boils down to one big long, about half hour rant. And always, you can hear about New England sports. Today, we'll get to the New England sports. The Boston Red Sox playing real well. Three games up on the New York Yankees. They just swept the Toronto Blue Jays and took the first game of their series against the Texas Rangers. The first game of the Celtics Summer League kicked off with both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. 7-11 doing some great things out there in Utah and the opening credits for that brand new buddy comedy. Oh, it looks like it's going to be a good movie. But there's one other thing uh, that is really on the minds of New England fans, and in particular, Boston Celtics fans. That, of course, is NBA free agency. Gordon Hayward is a Celtic, or wait, maybe he's not. Twitter is going crazy. But before we get to any of that, first, we have to hit, of course, our topic of the day. And for our topic of the day, we have to look to one of the starters in the Boston Red Sox rotation, their lefty who has come out and surprised pretty much everybody. And by that, of course, I mean Drew Pomerantz. Now, this isn't going to be a little bit of a rant about just how good Drew Pomerantz has been this season, and he has Been terrific in this 2017 season. He is eight and four with a 3.64 ERA. He's thrown 84 innings. His strikeout to walk ratio is 92 to 27, and really, even his home runs; those aren't all that bad at all. At least for him, he has allowed 11 home runs in his 16 starts. This is a guy that loves to give up home runs, so he's cut it down just a little bit and over his last couple of starts he has been terrific but what i'm going to talk about today in kind of a tangential way yes is that pomerance is pitching well but what happened almost a year ago it was mid july as the trading deadline was rearing its ugly head. The Boston Red Sox, they looked like a team that was going to finish in first place in the AL East. Yes, they were not in first place. And yes, they did need that 11-game winning streak in the month of August to really put a stranglehold on the AL East. But the Red Sox and President of Baseball Operations, Dave Dombrowski, had a really good feeling about this season. They thought if they could get one more arm, it was going to push them over the top and propel them into the World Series. So what did Dave Dombrowski do? He took a look out west, saw the San Diego Padres, saw how well Drew Pomerantz was pitching, a guy that has been used... Uh, between a starting pitcher and a reliever, mostly as a starting pitcher, but he's one of those tweener guys. And he was having his best season to date, a guy that is mostly known for his fastball and his curveball, but found a little bit of a cutter. And that cutter, which he threw, I believe, 62 times uh, before or at the all-star break last season, that cutter really turned him into a different pitcher. So Dombrowski saying, look, we need one more arm. This guy is pitching really well. He said, I can get him. The Padres said, yes, you can get him, but we need something big in return. So Dombrowski, a guy that is never, ever afraid to trade one of his prospects, took a look at Pomerantz, looked at Anderson Espinosa, and said, you know what? I can get rid of Anderson Espinosa. Now, for those of you that do not know who Anderson Espinoza is, he is a young gun and, them, uh, and then some. This is a guy that is clocked at 97 miles an hour. March 9th, 1998. If you have no idea what that date is, that is Espinoza's birthday. So in other words, this time last year, Anderson Espinoza was 18 years of age and was in his first season of full-on minor league ball. He had a couple of seasons in the Dominican League. He also had short season time with both the Greenfield Drive and the Gulf Coast Red Sox. And Dabrowski took a look at Espinoza, a guy that was getting mini Pedro Martinez-type comparisons, took a look at Espinoza, took a look at Pomerantz, and said, you know what? I will give you this uber-prospect, the number one pitching prospect in the Red Sox organization for Drew Pomerantz. The San Diego Padres said, absolutely, you have yourself a deal. So Pomerantz comes to the Red Sox, and all of a sudden, Pomerantz is not the same pitcher. He ends up making 13 starts, 14 appearances, a 3-5 and five record. 62, uh, 68 and two-thirds innings, and he actually ended the 2016 season with a uh, forearm flexor strain. Now that injury wasn't, by any stretch of the imagination, a surprise if you were on the medical staff of the San Diego Padres. Now the Padres, what they ended up doing is that they actually hid. Pomerance's injury history. They hid some of the things that he had to do to work on to make that forearm flexor better. So when Dabrowski made the trade for Pomerantz while giving up his top pitching prospect, he didn't have all of the information that should have been readily available to him. Major League Baseball then conducted an investigation, said the Padres Purposely hid that medical information and said, You know what, Dombrowski? This is after the 2016 season. Pomerantz couldn't really do much in the postseason because of that forearm flexor strain. In the offseason, MLB uh, Major League Baseball says, "Mm -mm. You know what? This is bad form by the Padres. We are going to suspend their general manager, AJ Preller, 30 days without pay. And the Red Sox, in a rarity, if you want, knowing what you know about Drew Pomerantz, if you want, you can renege on that trade, send Pomerantz back to San Diego and get Anderson Espinosa and put him back into your minor league system. Dombrowski, knowing the injury of Pomerantz, seeing that Pomerantz did not pitch well to the tune of a 4.5.9 ERA in his time with the Red Sox after having a 2.4.7 ERA with the Padres. Knowing all of this, Dombrowski declined. He said, You know what? I like what I see from Pomerantz. Padres, you guys can have Anderson Espinosa. Espinosa is not going to be ready for a couple of years. Pomerantz is right now a major league caliber starting pitcher. We can slot him like we did into the rotation, and we think he is going to adjust to the American League East, and he is going to pitch better and return to the form that he had prior to the 2016 All-Star Game. When the trade was made, when I was broadcasting for the Wilmington Blue Rocks Advanced Day of the Kansas City Royals, I couldn't believe it. Even though I was working for the Royals organization, I'm still a Red Sox fan. I'm still from New England. I could not believe it at all that Dombrowski made the trade. How are you giving up Espinoza? Offseason comes. Major League Baseball gives Dombrowski a chance to pretty much erase that trade. Get in the DeLorean, time travel, go back six months earlier and say, we never made that trade. Dombrowski says, you know what? No, I like Pomerantz. Have fun with Espinoza. So after the 2016 season, it was clear to anybody that the Red Sox were on the wrong end of that trade. Here you got a guy, Pomerantz, who couldn't do anything in the postseason because of a forearm flexor strain. And you gave away your top pitching prospect, a guy who threw both levels, through 108 and one-third innings. Make that, excuse me, Espinoza, as I was looking at his fielding. But Espinoza, he threw 108 and one innings pitched, struck out 100, and walked 35. Those are really good numbers, especially for a guy that was only 18 years of age. Now, though, we're about halfway through the 2017 season and after it looked like the Red Sox were the clear losers – At the end of 2016, halfway through 2017, it looks like the Red Sox are definitely the winners of that trade. I mentioned Pomerantz's stats so far this year. 8-4 in 84 innings, 16 starts, 16 appearances. He has allowed one hit per inning, 84 hits, but just 38 runs, a 3-6-4 ERA, 11 home runs, 92 strikeouts, and just 27 walks. Not only that, but it's how Pomerantz has pitched as of late that is really, and I mean really, turning heads. Pomerantz this season has allowed two or fewer runs in 13 of his 16 starts. Now, yes, If you look at the innings pitched, that doesn't quite make sense. Some of those numbers have been helped out because he was pulled from games incredibly early because Pomerantz has a wicked problem in terms of pitch counts. But as of extremely late, the most recent pitching lines for Pomerantz, he looks like the guy that the Red Sox and the Padres saw back in 2016, which was an all-star caliber pitcher. In his last eight starts, Pomerantz is five and one, and has completed six innings in five of those eight outings. He has had one bad start in that time frame. That was uh, time frame. That was back on June eleventh against Detroit. He got absolutely rocked. Four and one third innings, eight hits, six runs. Five of those earned. However, those other two shorter starts where he didn't. Complete six innings. One of them was a five-inning outing against the Yankees on June 6th, where somehow he threw 123 pitches in just five innings, but he was in a boatload of trouble in the fifth inning, and still, despite all of that trouble, gave up just one run as he escaped a bases-loaded jam in the fifth inning. The Red Sox would go on to win that game, and Pomerantz would get the W For that start. The other five-inning start, and this is the thing that has really surprised me the most and the thing that has me totally on the Pomerantz bandwagon. In that other start where he did not go at least six innings, the only other start in the last eight starts, he completed five innings After two significant rain delays, there was a significant delay to start the game. And then there was a delay of, I believe, 93 minutes in the game. And even after a delay of more than an hour, Pomerantz came back out and still threw and completed five innings. When a guy does something like that, he's not just throwing for himself. He is putting his team on his back because he knows if he can't go back out there, the bullpen is going to be absolutely massacred. Those are the type of games that you don't just lose the game. You lose the series because now the manager is scrambling and trying to find a way to pull together in a three-game series. The manager is trying to pull together a way to get 15 to 20 minute innings out of his bullpen. But Pomerantz decided, no, I got you guys. Despite this long delay, I'm going to go back out there and I'm going to give you five innings. I don't care. Make me sit for more than an hour. I will go back out there if this game is tight. And that brings us to Pomerantz's most recent outing, a six-inning, one-run outing against the Toronto Blue Jays, where more than likely he would have gone seven innings, but the Red Sox made him wait for more than an hour as they absolutely euthanized the Border Birds with an eight-run top of the seventh inning. At which point, the Red Sox were up 15-1, to 1, and you don't need Drew Pomerantz, your starter, to go back out there and maybe hurt himself. You saw him do it in the previous outing, sit for an hour, come back out and pitch well. That was a tight game. This time, you don't need it. So Pomerantz has been absolutely terrific this season, and he's making Dave Dombrowski look like a genius, especially when you look at the other side of that trade equation. So on one hand, you have Drew Pomerantz, who many people, including yours truly, did not want on the Red Sox roster, did not want in the Red Sox rotation because the Red Sox gave up their top pitching prospect. Not only that, but in the same offseason where Dave Dombrowski could have brought back Anderson Espinosa, he said, no, I don't want my top pitching prospect. Not only that, I'm going to give away Joan Moncada and Michael Kopech. So I'm going to give away one of the best prospects in all of baseball in Yoan Moncada, And I'm going to give away my next best pitching prospect. So he gives away not one, but two of his top pitching prospects. Now, I'm not nearly as big of a fan of Michael Kopech as everybody else is maybe he threw 105 miles an hour last season against the Wilmington Blue Rocks, a game in which I was actually broadcasting. And at no point that night, after I went into to the clubhouse and after I conducted multiple interviews with both players and the manager of the Wilmington Blue Rocks, did I hear from anybody about Michael Kopech throwing 105 miles an hour. The guy can bring absolute heat. That's I can assure you. But he's also a head case. Same guy who punched a teammate, broke his hand. Punched him with his right hand, his throwing hand. Has a huge hook. Has a great, great fastball and a really good changeup. He's got all the stuff, but I'm always afraid of those pitchers that might not be there mentally. So we go back to the other part of the equation in the trade. 2017, Drew Pomerantz looking good. Dave Dombrowski gets rid of not just Anderson Espinosa, but also Michael Kopech. But what about that Anderson Espinosa guy? Well, in 2017, in the minor leagues, he has thrown exactly zero pitches. The guy who was the number 21 prospect in all of baseball has not thrown a single pitch this season in the San Diego Padres organization. Now, as I mentioned, Espinosa had a 449 ERA throughout both the Red Sox and Padres systems last season. A 438 with the Greenville, uh, Greenville Drive, and a 473 with the Fort Wayne tin caps. Okay, he's good. He is really good, but he is not the biggest guy in the world. He is through and through a really good Pedro Martinez comparison, one hundred and 60 pounds. He's 19 years of age this season, but coming out of spring training after Espinoza was assigned to the Lake Elsinore Storm, which is the high A team for the San, Di- uh, San Diego Padres, he, expl- uh, he complained of forearm tightness and was placed on the seven-day DL. Now, most of you, when you hear seven-day DL, you watch a lot of Major League Baseball. You think seven-day DL? Okay, this guy's probably going to be back in about a week and a half, but That's not really how minor league baseball works because you can keep a guy on the 7-day DL with your high A team for quite some time. After a couple of weeks, after being on the 7-day DL, he started to feel better, and the Padres allowed him to start a throwing program. However, after starting that throwing program, Espinosa then complained of mild soreness in his right elbow. So first you had forearm tightness, that put him on the seven-day DL. He rested. Then he started a throwing program. Then he complained of mild soreness in his right elbow and was shut down by the Padres. Now, the Padres conducted an MRI with Espinosa, and apparently the MRI revealed nothing, and the San Diego Padres claimed to have a handle on this thing, according to Padres Farm Director Sam Ghini, we think we feel pretty confident in what it is, referring to Espinoza's arm issues. We've done some studies and imaging. I think we feel good about the path going forward. There's nothing glaring, nothing that's going to, de- uh, to necessitate any drastic measures. I think we've just decided with how he was feeling that we'd go a little slower with him. Now, if you heard of a high-velocity pitcher with forearm tightness, you'd be a little worried, right? I know I would. If you heard of a high-velocity pitcher with mild soreness in his right elbow. Pretty sure you'd be an intelligent purve- uh, purveyor of injuries to think maybe this is something troubling because that's kind of where my head was going with this. If you then heard an organization with a sordid history of hiding injuries come out and essentially say, and do the Frank Trebin, no need to worry, nothing to see here. Wouldn't you be a fool to think that that pitcher is in anything but trouble if you had the Padres who have a history of hiding injuries come out after a pitcher complained of both forearm soreness and right elbow soreness if that organization came out and went folks please disperse nothing to see here do I have it I think I have this right Frank Drebin, hold on one second. Maybe I can actually produce a podcast that is worthy. Yes, here we go. Frank Drebin in front of the fireworks factory. So that's the San Diego Padres right now. Anderson Espinosa, forearm tightness, elbow soreness, nothing to see here. So... The reason I bring this up is because many people, when they hear Dave Dombrowski and they see all the moves that he has done, uh, they do not like things that he has done. Mm, Trading away Travis Shaw and putting all of your eggs in the Pablo Sandoval basket, probably not the smartest move. Pablo Sandoval probably ate all of the eggs in that basket. Now, I'm not one of those guys that likes to jump on... Pablo Sandoval, because quite frankly, he did exactly what you should do if you're a guy in his position. He admitted what he did was wrong. He said, look, I got the big contract, I got complacent, and I got even fatter than I was. So this offseason, he showed up in terrific shape. He won the Red Sox their first game by beating out a double play ball, a ball that he would not have beat out last season if not for the fact that he got himself in good shape. The problem is, Pablo Sandoval just might not be that good any longer. He was never really a world beater except for in the postseason, right? So if you want to rag on Dave Dombrowski for his Pablo Sandoval-Travis Shaw move or the Tyler Thornburg move, absolutely be my guest because you would be right. But you have to remember that he's also made some other moves, right? Trading Drew Pomerantz, for Anderson Espinosa right now, that looks pretty good. Wei Lin, they bring Wei Lin. Who is Le- uh, Wei Lin? I'm a minor league baseball broadcaster. I have never heard of Wei Lin. And Wei Lin is doing a terrific job. Devin Morero, he's adjusted at the plate. All of a sudden, the guy that can't hit anything is hitting things while playing a terrific utility infield position, mostly at third base. All right. So we get all of that, right? That's our topic of the day. Just take it a little bit easier on Dave Dombrowski. Now we move on to the Boston Red Sox, and in particular, Dustin Pedroia. The Red Sox escape Toronto and the Great White North. By the way, I said it on Twitter, but happy Canada Day. All you Canadians celebrating their 150th country birthday. We here, July 4th today, America. Happy birthday, America. But Dustin Pedroia, the devil dog that he is. The Red Sox escape. I, I keep saying escape, but the Red Sox leave Toronto with a sweep of the Blue Jays, absolutely bludgeoned their AL East foe. So they go from Toronto and, or Toronto, if you're doing a hockey broadcast. So they go from Toronto. And they go to Arlington, Texas, to face off against the Texas Rangers. Rick Porcello out on the mound. Porcello gives up a run in the first inning on a ball that I thought Sande Leon probably should have had. It went down as a wild pitch, but he also stuffed that type of pitch multiple times later on in the game. But a wild pitch puts the Rangers up one nothing. The Red Sox then come back at the bases loaded with two outs, and Pedroya stays back on a breaking ball and kind of forces it, loops it, hits a soft line drive, whatever you want to call, past the dive of Elvis Andrews at shortstop, and two runs come home. The Red Sox take a 2-1 lead. The Red Sox would extend that lead to 5-1, however... Porcella would give up a solo shot later in the game to make it 5 2. He would come back out for the seventh inning, get an out, and then give up a monster shot to dead center field to make it 5 3. In the eighth inning, Robbie Scott starts the inning. Now, he was, I think the numbers, there were only three hits and 33 at bats for lefties against Scott, and he faces Shin Soo Chu, and Chu somehow fights off a ball and hits a double down the third baseline. It wasn't a good swing. It was a good pitch by Scott. Sometimes baseball just sucks. That's what happened. So Joe Kelly comes in. He allows a fly ball to center field. Runner moves over to third base. Then a single to left field. Makes it 5-4. And Kelly gets out of the eighth inning completely unscathed. Ninth inning comes up. Red Sox do not pad the lead. Craig Kimbrel comes out. Kimbrel just named to his sixth All-Star game, as he should, because Kimbrel has been pretty much lights out. Just one blown save entering last night's game, and the first pitch he throws is walloped by Nike, uh, by Mike Napoli. Five-five game. I did gloss over one thing: two-run RBI by Pedroia in the third inning to make it 2-1 later in the game when the Red Sox looked like they were about to blow a golden bases-loaded opportunity once again. Pedroia, a beautiful stroke towards right center, drives in two more runs to make it a five-run game for the Red Sox. As I just mentioned, the Red Sox would give up that lead by both Porcello giving up a couple of solo shots. Robbie Scott gets dinged for a run. Kelly does not Kimbrel does, blowing just his second save of the season. Really can't blame him. That's what Mike Napoli does. Mike Napoli loves the fastball, and Kimbrel threw a bad one. So then the next batter comes up and hits a dribbler to third base. Marrero was there. Marrero was playing in, called off Kimbrel, barehanded it, made an awful throw to first base, well off of the line. The ball goes by Mitch Moreland, who had just come in for defensive purposes in the ninth inning. It ricochets off of the brick at Arlington. It one hops towards Pedroia, who is backing up the play. Now, you almost never see a second baseman back up a play in professional baseball. But here is Dustin Pedroia backing up the play. The ball looks like it's going to scoop by him. He stops on a dime falls over, bare hands it, and before he hits the ground, as he's falling over frontwards, he flips it sidearm to Mitch Moreland, a perfect throw, and the runner had turned and had made an attempt towards second base. The throw is on the money. Moreland tags out the runner first out of the inning. So instead of a guy more than likely being on second base with no outs in the ninth inning as the possible game-winning run, Dustin Pedroia makes one of the best plays I have ever seen any professional baseball player play. If you have not seen this play, you absolutely have to go to MajorLeagueBaseball.com and look at it. There's really no good way to describe it. It's one of the best plays I have ever seen. The Red Sox would score two runs two innings later, win 7-5 in 11 innings. Now, while the Red Sox are playing real well, three games up on the New York Yankees, who are in second place, we got our first glimpse of the Boston Celtics draft picks, we got to see Semi Ojalay. We even got to see Ante Zizic. And, oh yeah, some guy by the name of Jason Tatum. So the Reds, I make that the Celtics. You got to see their number three pick. You got to see all of their second round picks. I was most excited to see Semi Ojale because I watched him dominate UConn when he was with uh, Southern Methodist, uh, Methodist SMU. And he was just so, so good. But the Celtics, they not only had Zizic, they not only had Ojale, they had Tatum, the first pick for the Celtics, third overall in the most recent draft. And they had Jalen Brown, who, if you don't remember, was also the third overall pick in last year's draft. Just because Tatum, I make that excuse me, just because Jalen Brown played last year. People forget that this guy is young. He can't legally drink. So you have two of the youngest guys, and it looks like they're hitting it off. If you look at Twitter, if you look at Instagram, people are posting uh, videos of the two of them going at it one-on-one in practice and, more importantly, after practice. So they're putting in the work. But finally, we got to see them play together in a game-like scenario. What did we get to see? A combined 50 points From Jalen and Jason, old 7-11, 7 for Jalen Brown, 11 for Jason Tatum. Holy goodness, I'm feeling pretty confident about what the Boston Celtics can bring to the table in the upcoming season. Most importantly, it was also a way to look at not just Jason Tatum, the guy that the Celtics did select, But also Markel Fultz, the guy that the Celtics passed over specifically to pick up Tatum and pick up another pick. Fultz, he looks pretty good. You have to give him some credit. There are some glaring issues in his game. But if you looked at that game last night, the best player on the court by far was Jalen Brown. The second best player on the court by far was Jason Tatum. Played some really good defense and Pulled to mini Paul Pierce, the clogged toilet offense, where he tells everybody to go away. It was 88-87, the Celtics down by a point. And what does Tatum do? He gets to the spot he wants, a little bit behind the left elbow. The right-handed shooter knocks down the jumper, gives the Celtics an and uh, an, that's easy for me to say. And 89 to 88 lead. Fultz then gets the ball and a chance to win it. For the 76ers, he drives baseline, tries to go with what looked like either a reverse layup or I thought he was trying to go for the jam. And who met him on the other side to stuff it home and not let Fultz get that bucket? Jalen Brown. So you had Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both outplaying Markel Fultz. So for those of you that were all really up in arms about The Celtics not picking Markel Fultz. Yeah, it's a summer league game, but at least the early payouts kind of tell you that the Celtics, and more importantly, Danny Ainge, know what they are doing. All right, so we're going to make this about a 40-minute episode, but here's the thing. With all of the goodness that is going on right now, Dave Dombrowski looks like he is winning. The Drew Pomerantz and Anderson Espinosa trade. The Red Sox, they're playing well. Mookie Betts, eight RBI on Sunday for the second time in his career. Dustin Pedroia, four RBI in a 7-5 win for the Red Sox, including three spectacular defensive plays. He did his routine dive-to-the-left smother play and throw from his hip. And then next play, he made a sprinting over-the-shoulder catch and made it look like the easiest thing in the world. So you have the Red Sox winning every facet right now. You have the Celtics. It looks like they're doing everything. But here it is. It's almost 4 o'clock on the East Coast right now. At 2.30, Chris Haynes on Twitter came out and said, Gordon Hayward is going to sign with the Boston Celtics. Boom! Yes! The Great Whale. That the Celtics wanted this offseason, more so than Paul George, because, again, you had to trade for Paul George. This was a free agent last offseason. The Celtics wanted Kevin Durant, didn't get him. They wanted Al Horford, did get him. This offseason, in terms of free agents, the Boston Celtics want... Gordon Hayward. And it looks like the Boston Celtics are going to get Gordon Hayward. Chris Hayes comes out. He says, oh, Gordon Hayward's are going to sign with the Boston Celtics. Uh, and then the rest of Twitter comes out and says, I agree. My sources say that Gordon Hayward is going to sign with the Boston Celtics. But then, uh-oh, spaghetti Gordon Hayward's agent says, we have not made a decision yet. Not only that, Celtics come out and say, we have not been told of Gordon Hayward's intent. This is one of the weirdest things and why it is not good to be in your own little journo because Twitter is its own little world. And once... Chris Haynes tweeted out Gordon Hayward going to the Celtics. Other people went to Haynes and said, may I say that? He, of course, said yes. So now you have somebody using Haynes as the source in order to substantiate the claim. And what that ended up doing is that it's its own vicious cycle of using the same source. So for about 45 minutes, Twitter was all abuzz because according to Chris Haynes, and then everybody else connected to Chris Haynes, who asked Chris Haynes to use his report, Gordon Hayward was absolutely going to the Celtics. 45 minutes later, though, And Gordon Hayward's camp said, no, 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 that's not the case. And as of 17 minutes ago, which would make that pretty much uh, 340 on the dot, which is 70 minutes after the initial report, ESPN, sources, Hayward to Celts, agent, no call yet. So in other words, here is a report that has not been substantiated by more than one person. Adrian Wojnarowski, who is the big go-to guy, who, remember, was at the vertical with Yahoo Sports, now over at ESPN at the start of this 2017 NBA free agency, Wojnarowski doesn't tweet it out. So the most trusted name in all of basketball is kind of looking around at everybody like, what the hell is going on? And that's exactly what's going on. Nobody has any idea. I kept pushing this. Podcast back and back and back and back and back, because there were reports that Gordon Hayward's announcement of which team he was choosing was imminent. So I thought imminent on Fourth of the uh, Fourth of July was going to be before noon, because doesn't everybody else want to do some fun things on the Fourth of July? I know I do. I know after I edit this and put it up to SoundCloud and then get it on to iTunes. I'm going to open up a beer. I'm going to open up the grill. And I'm going to combine a bunch of those things. And I'm going to make awesome sauce, right? Everything's going to be great in the Donnelly, in the Bagoon household. But here's the problem. It's going to be 4 o'clock. We're going to end this episode of Bagoon's Barrage. And we're not going to know where Gordon Hayward is going. So I bring you all of the great things in New England. The Red Sox, kicking booty. The Boston Celtics, and Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, and Semi Ojale, even Jabari Bird, and Kadeem Allen, and especially Ante Zizic. They're doing well. Yes, Celtics are great. But I can't give you all of the great news because Gordon Hayward, at least as of 4 o'clock on this gorgeous, gorgeous July 4th, 241 years, into america's existence america you rock gordon hayward no one knows where he's going looks like the celtics but nobody is sure and remember if you're a journalist and you consider yourself very good at what you do (laughs) one source not enough you need the second one and more importantly you need that primary source before you get that second source chris haynes he's not a primary source He's a secondary source. You know who is a primary source? Gordon Hayward and Gordon Hayward's agent. And you know who says he hasn't chosen a place yet where the free agent is going? Gordon Hayward and Gordon Hayward's agent haven't told anybody where he's going yet. So I must end on a sober note. But, America, I love you, my listeners, however few you are. I love you, too. Totally platonic way. But thank you, as always, for listening. That will do it here on Pagoons Farage. Hopefully, Hayward ends up with the Celtics. If not, though, I like what they have. And I love what the Red Sox are doing right now. Go, America. Goodbye. Hornets. Exactly what you I come from a long line of bloodline that ain't gon' change.